part two chapter twenty six of if all these young men by romer wilson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part two london chapter twenty six if all these young men all the next day passed by josephine leaving her its hours like a garland of flowers what she did she could not remember and did not care though actually she spent the short hours at the office in the morning she arose from pleasant dreams and stepped into the innocent world of happy children the day was heavenly blue and she clothed within in garments embroidered with the flowers of spring dared to forget the war and forget herself and dwelt throughout the day innocent pure and shining with delight she had forgotten yesterday evening's moment of despair and in the night hours had made herself a paradise simple as a countryside out of sebastian's kindliness and kisses it was a world of meadows flowers and sunshine where consciousness of the body was left behind and where silly bliss made the shepherdess among them free as a ghost from material bondage nothing happened during the day to shatter the serene and poetic world in which she had sequestered herself indeed she was too far off to be recalled to earth by any but the most tragic circumstances she was clean gone and between the world and her was the unspoilt kindness of those kisses and the goodness of sebastian's heart she did not write to him nor he to her it did not occur to her to take action action was not taken in those meadows as she walked there the breeze ruffled her hair which was turned corn-coloured and the streams bubbled and gurgled under the king-cups and lady smocks not only was her hair turned to the colour of oats bleached under the wind but it was bound with sky-blue ribbons as blue as her new eyes her cheeks became pink and white like apple-blossom and the rest of her body no less beautiful she was seventeen again as lovely as watteau's milkmaid with all the frankness of an english sylvie and the charm of botticelli's pagan beauties and as if england france and italy were not enough to make her lovely she borrowed the wisdom of plato the joviality of aristophanes the tragic comedy of spain and throwing a cloth of fields and clouds over the rocks of human life she walked alone with her imagination when it was evening she went with susan down to see mary laurie everything was enchanted lincoln's inn fields through which they passed was the fairy kingdom and new court an enchanted park and palace where princes and princesses walked in a garden among birds of paradise or sat at talk over the backgammon board in mysterious tapestried rooms and without a doubt in yonder hall behind the long grey wall the king of the butterflies and his bride entertained noble youth and beauty with nightingales tongues and other delicious dishes overhead stretched the soft blue sky in which upon the darkening south a few stars were appearing and as she looked up she lost her heaven only to receive a finer one in its place the quaint old shops out of which all tales of all old shops had poured were lighting their windows and the little rooms above glowed not only with candles but with romance and in the stale old offices one of which her young man haunted by day the musty smelling documents inflamed quixotes of their own it was nine o'clock by summer-time and the deep may night was pouring from the heart of venus who amorous turned herself to mars upon olympus as they went up the tortuous wooden stairs to mary's flat susan said to josephine oh will james be there 
surely not she replied hoping for her own sake at the same time as she feared for susan's that he would be there because she wanted him to see her in her new mood though she did not know why if i were in a book she thought i should be beautiful ugly faces jar on love susan cried oh i hope he won't be there and on another occasion she would have sheltered susan but to-night being gone she was not there to do it as they entered they saw amongst the roomful of people james blanchard sitting by the wall more golden and more shining more free and youthful than they had ever seen him before blankness came over his face as he saw them enter but in a minute he regained himself and susan did not go away nor cry but comported herself with dignity that awakened admiration not only in mary laurie's heart but in the heart of amaryllis who was there also whether the atmosphere in the room was that which she had brought there or whether already by force of another personality the room was filled with geniality and romance josephine did not know but her fancy doubled in poetic intensity and as those who go in dreams all day long at night entirely succumb to them so now she became wholly her fantasy and saw all the world through it sing dennis sing somebody said and a young man with the black hair and grey eyes of corydon emerged from the back of the room not to-night replied dennis grant who apparently was a real person upon a real occasion everybody importuned him however so that at last he sat himself on a cane chair in the middle of the room and broke into song and as he began to sing josephine suddenly found her dreams matched and her thoughts of the day expressed for her on a time the amorous sylvie said to her shepherd sweet how do ee kiss me this once then god be with thee my sweetest dear kiss me this once then god be with thee for now the morning draweth near he sang neither loud nor strong but so tender and sweet and with so much gentle art that all the simplicity of love the childishness that sees nothing behind the present and asks nothing of the past or future and the purity that like the early morning is innocent and gay came back to everybody there all was inconceivably remote from every day transported into the heart of england and into a mood where neither shame wisdom nor self-consciousness hindered the first thoughts or caught back the words that first came upon the tongue now dennis sang the importunate shepherd which though the company was in the mood to hear was too intimate and silly for all the world and the music which was three parts of the song set everybody down beside the imagined true love of the heart whenever he stopped singing the company administered to his memory sing me from all women my love is lent oh sing what shall i do to show sing whilst i listen to thy voice sing near to the silver trent sing broomfield hill sing o whaley whaley sing the wind doth blow to-day true love in a few small drops of rain sing pretty parrot thus he passed from the pure sentimental morning of love to those romances which are so much a part of england and human beings that they seem part of human flesh he sang now that gay ballad the last verses of which tickled the fancy of that age of sense of humour up then and spake the pretty parrot may colvin where have you been what has become of false sir john that went with you yestreen oh hold your tongue my pretty parrot nor tell no tales of me your cage shall be of the beaten gold with spokes of ivory up then and spake her father dear in bedchamber where he lay what ails the pretty parrot that prattles so long ere day there came a cat to my cage master i thought would have worried me and i was calling to may colvin to take the cat from me 
the company was glad to follow dennis from the former mood but josephine was too much in love to do more than laugh while the others with the appreciation of the day for any turn-off from passion or sentiment applauded loudly the ingenuous comedy with its silk stays and jocund bird now without warning dennis broke into the mournful song farewell and adieu to you spanish ladies farewell and adieu ye ladies of spain and the hearts of those present were drawn out to the burning hills of andalusia and returned again to england upon the song in wooden ships with simple sailors on the deck whose pleasure at seeing the green fields of kent was greater than their regret for the spanish bells next he sang of girls who went before the mass to find their lovers who had been pressed from them at the church door and then he sang high germany and other songs where girls follow their stolen hearts till in josephine's breast there came up all the longing of young women after young men and she felt in herself a longing after young men but not after sebastian nor after any individual as far as she knew yet some vague suggestion of male personality not entirely unfamiliar to her drew her heart out of her her gentle happiness was gone her pleasant dreams were vanished now she was no more wise nor glad but wretched and on foot in a hilly country with only one wish and only one thought before her and that to see her demon lover a demon he seemed he came and went from her in dreams she saw him here she saw him there and all she knew of him was his openness of heart and singleness of mind all she asked of him was that he should recognize hers but when he vanished she doubted whether in that age such a creature was to be found and pursued him into the future to-night she forgot again that she had been deluded before and having caught a gleam of him she pursued him over the dark hills in the fading day if she could come up to him and hold him while his enchantment left him through the traditional changes she would win once she had overtaken him but he eluded her now all her life must be spent in following him perhaps fruitlessly what matter at least she had seen him and some day he might be hers she also suffered from an enchantment the task of the beautiful princess was nothing compared with hers she was laid under a spell she could not wash her face and appear beautiful in a dress of starlight to captivate the prince nor had she if starlight did not win him dresses of moonbeams or sunshine in other walnut shells for subsequent occasions the tasks she had to undergo were not as easy as emptying ponds with thimbles or sorting feathers if they had been she knew no fishes to drink the lakes nor fowls of the air to identify their plumage no cruel stepmother pointed out her way for her no good fairy instructed her how to act in the final metamorphosis like the rest of humanity she had to pursue her way on foot unguided and misguided with no promise of conditional fulfilment of her desires nothing but hope to save her from herself her hope was frail its object sometimes definite and clear sometimes elusive as the fata morgana she often forsook it and yet whenever she pursued it she knew and when she forsook it she knew that if she attained it for one instant at least she would join in with all life in praise of that which permeates the whole of creation because she had become at last a part of it to-night she saw clearly the end and aim of her existence but sighing now she watched it fade away into the far distance and grow more intangible and more remote until it was lost again in a suggestion of a personality perhaps her prince in disguise perhaps a cloudy presentment of james blanchard 
it did not strike her as ridiculous to think of rubicund james blanchard as the fata morgana she was too far away from earth for that nor did it enter her mind that he was associated with it what did enter her mind was to express this notion of pursuit to sing it or shout it or have it sung for her she grew fiery hot but the inevitable came upon her and she had to appeal to dennis grant her lips said for her without any effort in the next pause sing if all these young men without a moment's hesitation as if he understood her dennis looked straight into her eyes and sang on her behalf if all these young men were like hares upon the mountains then all these pretty maidens would soon follow after and all the rest of the song to the end she knew that from the point of view of the world she had done what she should never have done blanchard's face was enough to tell her that she knew she was a fool and had probably hurt susan and yet she felt that she had been not only her own champion but the champion of all the women there and had expressed something which they all had at one time wished ardently to express also in a manner though she could not tell why she felt that she had behaved handsomely to blanchard at the end of the song she went back into darkness and began to confound intangibility and sebastian the singing ceased people began to chat one or two went away and mr franklin getting up caused soda-water to hiss out of a siphon into a glass of whisky end of part two recording by expatriate in bangor maine